Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. This is Chad. We've got a really special guest on today, Mr. Scott Worthington. Scott has been a mentor for me um, over the last probably two years of my life. Scott is a very accomplished businessman, husband, father. He's also the race director for the Revenant and 85 South, which is a new adventure race he's putting on in New Zealand. Scott shares his story with us and a lot of good, solid principles based around business, adventure, and also the body, soul, and spirit. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Here he is, Mr. Scott Worthington. You know, going back to where we started, I suppose, because I've often wondered where I got that confidence from. And I think, you know, part of it comes from the fact that, you know, as New Zealanders, you know, we're a young country and we do have that, you know, adventuring spirit. My, my grandfather, you know, got on a boat, one of 17 children, and had a couple of brothers, you know, die in fist fights. They were working class people in a place called Leek in England. And he, for a better life, he just jumped on a boat and, and picked a spot on a map and came to New Zealand, you know, which back then is a huge adventure. So I think that spirit, that DNA sits inside a lot of, a lot of Kiwis. All right, Brother Scott Worthington, welcome to the 307 Podcast, my man. <laughs> welcome, Matt, to New Zealand. Welcome so, to New Zealand. Yeah, that's kind of, where are we at, Scott? I mean, you, you can explain it way better than me, brother. Okay, so we're, we're um, on the North Island and we're on the West Coast. Uh, in a place called Caddy Caddy, um, and it's uh, west coast of New Zealand is is exposed to the prevailing westerly northwesterly winds that hit the both islands. So as you can see, that the the coast is really rugged, um, and because of that, you don't get a lot of people coming out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 good surf, but it's pretty wild country, and so the east coast uh, on the other side of the Pacific which is sheltered from the prevailing winds, tends to get, you know, the people because it's safer to swim and so forth. But, you know, you're like me, Chad. This is where I like to come because it's a bit wilder and there's nobody here. And um, so it's rainforest. gets a lot of rain up here in this area. Um, and it's really why it's so beautiful because it's untouched. It, yeah, it really is. I mean, we went down to this. We're sitting here looking at this uh, magnificent black sand beach just down the mountain from us and we went out there yesterday and as like scott said it's it it definitely wasn't like an american beach like you know you go on an american beach like that would be you wouldn't be able to see the sand because it'd be covered in umbrellas and uh you know it was just just untouched magnificent landscape and and i think that's the that's pretty standard overall throughout this country it's just an absolutely amazing place man and thank you so much for sharing it with me scott Mate, it, it's, it's changed my life uh this country and and of course i would never been able to experience it without you uh it's yeah. it's really changed my life man it's magnificent on a whole nother level yeah it's interesting isn't it because i think that um you know new zealand countries like new zealand and america share something and they they share the fact that we're pretty young countries and that we've been populated by adventurers you know, people yep. that left their shores looking for a different life. And I think that spirit of, you know, giving things a go 
and and loving the landscape and loving the land and working with the land is something both countries share. Yeah, sure, we're, we're, we're getting people urbanizing and stuff, but still the heart of the country, to me anyway, is, is based on people that are prepared to give things a go. Mm -hmm. They were when they left their shores on boats and sailed, you know, thousands of miles into the unknown. Uh, and so this rugged country, uh, the fact that there's not many people here, um, is testimony to the fact that, you know, to come all the way to New Zealand on a boat back you know, hundreds of years ago, you yeah. have to be a pretty special person. That's it, man. That's it. I love it. Well, uh, you know, I want to talk about you specifically, Scott. You know, you've been a you've been a tremendous influencer for me over the last two years, pretty much of my life, um, not only from a a mindset uh, standpoint, but from a business standpoint, um, just from just from the standpoint of just being a good man and human being. I mean, if if I'm ever struggling with anything, it's it's it, you're one of the first people I think of when I need to pick up the phone and maybe bounce something off of a another man that that I respect and and honor and know is going to provide good advice. And man, you've done so much with your life in, in a relatively short span of time. I mean, you're not that old and you've managed not only to be a husband, a father, you have been extremely successful in business. You have, you're a legendary adventure runner. You, you walk into an outdoor store in Queenstown with Scott and people know who he is. I mean, he's, he is a top, he, he's an adventure enthusiast is not quite the word. Um, so you've done so much. I want to talk specifically, uh, first about your business days. You tell a story that has really resonated with me um, when you were first starting out with uh, with your business. You there was a time where you had to look bigger than you really were. And that was a lesson that I've never heard from another businessman, but it ended up really working out <laughs> for you, man. So I was wondering if you could just share the, that story with us and, and a little bit of the, you know, the, the concept or thoughts behind that. Sure. Cause it's sure. worked for me, man. I use it all the time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So what you're alluding to is that, that story we were talking about, um, when I, I started, a, a, I had a couple of businesses, but this is a, a business that, that was an export business and it was actually representing an American company. Uh, as you know, I've had a connection with America since I was 16, 17, was an exchange student in America, changed my life. And anyway, so I, I ended up working and, and helping a, an American guy expand his business. And, and I, you know, it started with us really um, implementing the same lesson even though we didn't know it so he came and talked to me a, about a product range that I was interested in and and literally gave me the impression that he was a very big successful company and that he exported all over the world and and that I might be able to help him export the product into into our region and through Asia and Australasia and so forth and um, you know when I finally went to visit him I you know, I found out he was a garage, you know, and so all of a sudden he painted a picture that was way bigger than reality. Uh, but it but got you there, right? It got me there. That's and, right. And, it, and he, you know, he wasn't being dishonest or anything. He was just, you know, he was just being creative. Yeah. And um, so, you know, when, when I then first went out and started to uh, think about how I could do this, um, 
I again, I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have any staff. I, I didn't really have any contacts uh, through Asia. But I just looked at a map and um, you know how much I like maps. Mm -hmm. So, so mm -hmm. that was the easy thing for me to do. Was, and that, back then, you know, the two financial centers were Singapore and Hong Kong in, in Asia. And I, I knew that probably that's where I could find some contacts. So I don't know what made me think that Hong, I'd be more comfortable in Singapore than Hong Kong, but I did. So I, I decided, right, you know, if I'm going to go over and look for potential people to, to represent a brand, I better make the brand sound, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. And, you know, make, make it sound successful, make it sound big and so forth. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people tend to equate success with size. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you, you can either fight that or just go with it. And I, I'm one person that quite often goes with things if I'm trying to, you know, convert an opportunity. And so I, um, I booked the, on Orchard Road. I booked the largest hotel, the Marriott Hotel back then. You know, it was the swankiest hotel. And yeah, I'll book that, and I'll book a big meeting room that could, you know, probably when I got there, I didn't realize it was so big. It probably seat two hundred people. You know. And you're just starting out, man. And so I mean, this no, is a big deal. This is a nobody, big. Nobody knew me. Nobody knew the brand. Nobody knew anything. Yeah. So it's a large investment for you at that point yeah, to so, really yeah, go I'm, out on I'm that. Using all my money to to scrape up a, a plane flight and you know yeah. and, and book this hotel and. And, you know, back then there was no internet or anything, so it was like, well, how do I even, these people even find out that there's going to be this guy in town that's going to try and, you know, advertise his company and, did you know, who wants to be a, a distributor? So, you know, I just, I, I booked a couple of um, magazines and put some stuff in. I went to the New Zealand consulate, and they'll often, often help, you know, New Zealand businesses and so forth. Um, you know, I, every which way to, to advertise this meeting. And I booked this hotel room for five days, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I'll get all these people to line up and I'll, you know, be able to interview them all and I'll have a, you know, wonderful choice of people I can, I can select. And, you know, uh, so day three comes along and um, it's about, I don't know, three o'clock in the afternoon and I hadn't seen a soul. For three days I'd sat in this room this massive room, and I'd set this desk up. I got, like, the Marriott to set this desk up and put a white tablecloth. And, and when I think back, you know, I used to walk in through these double doors in a room that could seat at least 100 people. And it was this tiny little, I mean, thinking back, it's like the initial impression of someone walking in must have been like, oh, what, what's with this guy, you know? <laughs> anyway, you know, it's so day three, three o'clock in the afternoon, I hadn't seen a soul. Not one person had turned up. Nobody had called me, nothing, you know? Oh, okay. Well, I paid the money for five days. I'm also sitting here for five days. So, you know, I think I'd say about three o'clock in the afternoon, one of the hotel staff came in and, you know, everything okay, Mr. Worthington? You know, da, da, da. and I'm like, yeah, uh, everything's okay. But really what he, he, he just sort of stayed there looking at me and I'm thinking, well, you're not just asking me if I'm thirsty or something. You know, so I said, yeah, yeah I, like everything's okay, mate. You can leave now. And he goes, no, well, you know, we have noticed that, you've sort of been in here for three days and like I don't think anyone's coming sir you know and I go yeah okay you, know, you don't have to ram it home you know, I do understand that you know and in a roundabout way it's like what the heck are you doing here you know yeah. I said don't worry someone will come you know yeah so literally on day four uh, when I and honestly I I got to the point where I thought yeah what's the point in staying another day I'll get through day four and if I'll have breakfast if no one's called me that's I'll call it quits and two young guys walked in the door. And I mean, believe me, they, they were the absolute picture of the people that I wouldn't choose. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking, oh, I'll get some big businessman to walk in, we'll have an entourage, and, you know, I mean, like, dreams are free. So, you know, it wasn't particularly realistic. So these two young guys walk in, younger than me, and, uh, you know, hi, Mr. Worthington, you know, we're, we're here for, for the interview. So I'm like, all of a sudden, you know, I'm shaking off four days of like not seeing a soul. It's oh, like, yeah. Oh, I got I to play the big guy now, you know. <laughs> so anyway, you know, long story short, um, you know, they, they had a small business and, and, and they were interested in the product line. And so I, you know, I just said, OK, I, you know, I, I'll go away and I'll consider it. You know, I've got some other proposals to consider. And they left and it's like, well, that's going to be it. Yeah. <laughs> I've only got one. <laughs> so I left it a day and on the fifth day I asked them to come back in again and you know, and then uh, when we sat down and talked, uh, and I got comfortable with them, and then with me, we went out to dinner. And then I just told them, I said, "Look, I have to be honest. I'd love to give you a crack, and don't take this the wrong way, but you're the only dudes that turned up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, I had to be honest in the end. But um, and it look, it turned out from there to be a great <clears> business. <throat> and then uh, as we got it going, um, you know, through some of their contacts and so forth. Other people got to know about the product. And at the end of the day, it was a wonderful, wonderful American product. You know, at the heart of all this is still a product and service that I believed in and, and it was going to do good things for the people that used it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, 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 was, so it was sort of fabrication in, in a way, but it was based on truth. So it was just making ourselves look, or myself in that stage and the company, look successful, look big, because unfortunately take it you know good or bad that's the way people judge a lot of things yeah and you can either decide to 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 not do it that way because it's against your ethics maybe i don't know we can go you know there's nothing wrong with that as long as in the end you're honest and you get the right result and that's what we did and yeah we're still in business with those people today yeah yeah and and i i see you know i i don't see that whole that that was a huge lesson for me being an entrepreneur and i don't see that as being in any way shape or form dishonest i see that as you being confident and and you just uh you know there was there was no dishonesty involved it was you had you had to take a risk to go and book that conference room to travel overseas that was a huge risk that took a lot of confidence and uh, you know to me it's just a major lesson learned and and gosh we could talk about the business i mean with with the lessons that you've learned in business you could do a whole podcast on just that but i want to transition into other things um and this is a perfect transition into that confidence, man. And we've talked a, a lot this weekend and, you know, confidence, I think, is a big thing for you that keeps coming up. And uh, and I want you to talk about that, that time that your confidence was forged as a young man uh, when you went overseas and you you did your trip to Europe with $600 in your pocket yep. and kind of how that helped. I feel like that was a transition. Yep. Um, that was almost your crucible as a young man that you, and then you came out on the other side of that with this confidence. And that's been a key part, I think of your success throughout your life, man. So yep. talk yep. about that a little bit, brother. Yeah, you definitely. So, um, you know, going back to where we started, I suppose it's, because I've often wondered where I got that confidence from. And I think, you know, part of it comes from the fact that, you know, as New Zealanders, you know, we're a young country and we do have that, you know, adventuring spirit. My my grandfather, you know, got on a boat, one of 17 children, 
and had a couple of brothers, you know, die in fist fights. They were working class people in a place called Leek in England. And he, for a better life, he just jumped on a boat and, and picked a spot on a map and came to New Zealand, you know, which back then is a huge adventure. So I think that spirit, that DNA sits inside a lot of, a lot of Kiwis. So, yeah, I, I went to the States um, on an on a American Fields scholarship um, and did my last year of, of high school in the States and live with you know families over there and so you're having to live with different parents different rules yeah. different world and you either fight it or you you embrace it and you know a, a kiwi way is is just to embrace things it's just to you know when in rome be a roman you that's know? it and so that set me on the path and and when i when i got home after that year um you know i thought you know there's there's more learning than, than just going to a high school. I, I, I just want to get out. And I suppose the backstory to that is my dad, um, just after the Second World War, and, and his dad, my grandfather, had come home from the World War, um, that my dad also decided he also wanted to explore. So he spent also three years cycling around Europe on a push bike, you know, just after the war where Europe, a lot of, you know, the Europe was closed, a lot of Eastern Europe and so forth. So that was sort of the inspiration of why that activity. But yeah, I, I came home and uh, I needed some money. And so I, I got a laboring job on a, on a building with a building company. And um, as soon as I could, I, I, I had this target of 600 bucks. Why 600 bucks? Because that was enough for me to buy a fare on the boat on the way over to Europe. Because back then, you know, you could fly, but most people, if you didn't have quite the money, you could take a boat. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll just get enough money to pretty much get the fare that'll land me in, in Europe and hopefully just enough to buy a bike and then I'll just wing it from there. We'll, we'll, give, it, we'll give it a crack. So I, I took this boat to Europe, which is a six-week um, boat, a ride uh, up to the Panama Canal and, and landed in Genoa in Italy. And I met a gentleman, a, lucky enough, a German guy on the boat who uh, helped steer me to, towards you know getting where I could get a bike for a little less money. So that was all a, a nice opportunity. And then I, I just uh, pretty much over the next few years um, just explored Europe on my push bike, went as far as tracking a lot of the stuff that my mum, that my sorry, my, da my dad had done. So I went up to Hammerfest and um, and would go back to some family we had in England when I ran out of money and. You know, again, you know, wing it, you know, got a, got a job in a local silk mill. And what can you do? I don't know. What do you want me to do? You know, I said, oh, you know, can you, can you swing a hammer? Can you, could you put a floor down? And I had no idea. It's like, yeah, I can do that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, there's the boards, there's the nails, there's the hammer, there's the tape measure. I'll work it out. Yeah. And, you know, it worked out and they paid me the money. And, and so, you know, doing that for three years sort of just, using resources as they came to hand and then when they didn't have them just looking around and if you look around you know you don't have to look too hard there's a lot of resources around you you just got to be confident enough to actually go and grab them so you know when i finished that and looking back as we talked last night um where did i get my you know spirit of adventure and all that stuff it's really from that trip probably started in the states yeah. really want to go back it's probably that opportunity i got to be a be american field service scholar um and and, and go to another country and, it, and under my own steam without my parents or any support system mm -hmm. literally just have to you know i'm a big believer in a mission 
you know, just immerse yourself in it. Don't get scared. Don't don't overthink it. Just give it a crack. And then once you're in it, that's when you start, you know, working out what's going right, what's going wrong, how I can fix this, you know, whatever. That's it. Yeah. And you're forging, you're forging that confidence yep. because you're having yep. to figure things out yep. um, and figure out where your resources are going to come from and, yep. you know, how you're going to react to certain situations. Yep. And so for me, man, that, that, that kind of, your experience is is unique. My experience, where I forged that confidence, was SEAL training. Exactly. And there's a lot of parallels in in this the whole SEAL training or military experience yeah. to to your experience. For me, it was you know obviously relinquishing all my uh, uh, you know assets and and possessions and yep. stepping into this arena that is SEAL training and not knowing where I didn't know how much I was going to get paid. I didn't know what my day-to-day tasks were going to be. Yep. And and that, for me, was where I also forged that confidence, man. Yep. So, you know, I think that's a wonderful challenge for for every, not not just every young man or woman, but, but for every human being. If you haven't had that experience where where you just took that leap, man, and you went out on a limb for whatever the time span is, it ne- I think it needs to be a long uh, uh I think it needs to be more than a week. I, I yeah, mean, it needs, I mean, the, the, you know, the, that, that's that's a good point in itself. I mean, the, the, using the time as 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 a possible part of the journey, whatever it is, it has to be something that simply is going to take you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, like I'm a big believer that you learn more out of your comfort zone than you do obviously in it. Therefore, you know, if you're uncomfortable with a mission uh, as an overnight mission. If that's the start of your adventuring, yep. then, then that's the first one you do, a one-nighter. You don't jump into seven nights and scare the living daylights out of yourself, and you'll never return. So then you'll never learn. So, you know, I mean, I stayed away for, for a number of years, yeah. but that wasn't by design. I didn't start off and get a pen and paper and go, I'm going to be away for, you know, three years or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it was just simply that I had a, I had a plan of, jumping in and, and giving it a go and and as once you get consumed by it and you get in it and it's a living it's a living experience yeah. so you're inside this experience and you're having to react and so forth you don't have a lot of time to reflect but when you do that's when you understand the lessons that you've learned because you yep. reflect back on it and go oh why am I confident now oh well I, I did this I had to fend for myself and I was lucky enough or brave enough or whatever you want to describe it to, you know, step off that cliff. Yep. That's it, all it took, just one step. And, and you said something just a minute ago, Scott. You talked about that comfort zone, man. And, and I want to I transition into that because one of the most unique things about you as, as a human being is you literally have no regard for comfort. You, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you... It's amazing uh, how how much of a you're a minimalist when you go out on these adventures. Uh, you 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 want to take only the essentials. I'm lazy. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not lazy. You have you you just you you you're you can call you. I don't even want to put a label on it. I don't want to say you're hard. It's not that you're tougher than anyone else. It's just you. It's your makeup. You have no regard for comfort. And um, I want to talk to you about something that we we discussed earlier in the weekend. 
and that's complaining. Yeah. And uh, you you put you put complaining, and I, and I don't want to quote you, but you I think it was like this: complaining is just an ex in a person's excuse for not finding a solution. Correct. Yeah. And I never hear you complain. Yeah. And a part of that is because, again, you have no regard for solution or you have not solution. You have no regard for comfort, but you also are laser focused on a solution. Correct. So, I mean, talk about that a little bit. What What yeah. is complaining to you and how have you reached this point that, that you literally never complain? It doesn't matter how hard the conditions are. It doesn't matter how harsh the weather is. Yep. It doesn't matter what nature's throwing at you, what yep. life's throwing at you, what business is throwing at you. You don't complain. No, and, and, and I suppose, you know, I mean, I've learned that lesson over many years. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm really strong on this, and, 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 and I don't like people complaining because as soon as I hear people complaining or making an excuse for why something happened and went wrong, uh, it's, just, it's just an excuse not to find a solution. And, and really the only way that they're going to fix that complaint, if they're really honest, is find the solution. It, and that solution might be just walking away from it. But, you know, so, you know, for me, um, people say, you know, positivity, you're positive or whatever. To, to me, the only way to succeed, you know, is to find the, the solution. I've never yep. found anybody tell me that I'm really successful because I was negative. I'm really successful because I actually didn't find the solution. I mean, that's nonsensical. So, you know, I, I learned that, you know, I suppose, again, going around Europe and running out of money or my bike breaks down and there's no tools and there's no, you know, I, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I can either dump the bike or I can, you know, can sit there and complain about, you know, how this is lousy and, you know, I'm miles from anywhere. Or I, I, But it doesn't get me to the next town. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody around. So what am I going to do? Sit and cry? And, I mean, just none of that gets me anywhere in fact it does the opposite it actually tends to implode and make my anger make my confusion make my whatever that negative emotion is it amplifies it and as that amplifies the solution is less clear and is further and further away from being found so i've just always had a mindset that you know whenever something confronts me that i that that is not comfortable mm -hmm. it's not that i don't like comfort it, it's just that you know, maybe I put myself in those situations of, of discomfort because I, I like, you know, being out in the, in the back country. But, you know, basically it, it, it's selfishness. It's like, no, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Well, there's only one way to move out, out of this is find the solution. So, yeah, it does. It bugs me on lots of levels, on lots of different topics, not just the topics I'm interested in. But you hear people and it seems to be a default position that you complain first. Yeah. Where what I do is my first port of call is how do I get out of this? What's the solution? And then, you know, it doesn't take long once you're implementing that solution because that takes time. Your focus just so quickly shifts to the positive and away from the negative. And um, so, yeah, I suppose <laughs> I think I jokingly said to you, I don't complain. But you know what? That's funny because I do complain about people that complain. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, it frustrates me that, you know, that, it, you know, the, the solution is is generally right there in front of them. But while they're not while they're focusing on the negative, 
They're never going to see the problem. That's it, brother. Simple. And this ties back into this, this concept ties back into so much of what I believe in and what I've implemented in my own life. Not only does it tie back into the power of the spoken word, because you are intentionally being conscious of the things that come out of your mouth by, by choosing not to complain. But it also ties into the fact of uh, what, what, benefit is there in fighting against the things that are uncomfortable or that you might not agree with yeah. it's not going to get you anywhere man and the the whole the whole premise of not complaining is you choosing to focus your energy to find a solution yeah. And not to battle against the the situation that might not be optimal for you at that time. So it's just that to me brought brings everything just right back to those those principles. It is, and it's so to me it's so logical. And I know a lot of people haven't experienced it, and and so maybe they haven't learned that lesson, but. Mm I think one, once you understand that, you know, there are all, there's all, and, and I, I'm a big believer there is always a solution. Yes. Never believe that you're in a dead end. There is always a solution. And the dead end might be turning around and going back the way you came in. It could, that, that could be the solution. And I've done that on missions. You know, I told you about, you know, wanting to do this this mission that I, I don't think anyone had ever done. And, and, and I, I wanted to make it doubly difficult, so I thought I'll do it in the winter and I'll snowshoe this thing over, you know. And I, I got to the point and I had to make the decision. I, it, it took me longer than I thought. I was in sort of waist-deep snow and thinking it wouldn't be that. The condi- snow condition would be better than it was. And, you know, I just ran out of food, but I, in my plan I'd, I'd made what I call a point of no return. In other words, I'm either at that point and I'm, I'm in good condition food-wise and I carry on, or I'm at that point and things are not that great. And then I've got a retreat, you know. Now, a lot of people would see that as failure or, or, or whatever. But to me, it was just like I got to that point. I looked at what I had. I had no food left. So I knew that it was going to be 13, 14 hours of snowshoeing back in the other direction with no food. Or it was going to be going in, into the unknown, which I thought was possibly another, you know, 10 or 12 hours. But unknown conditions versus what I knew behind me. So no, no I mean, it, it took me like 10 seconds to make that. It was not a difficult decision because I didn't, it's not in my makeup to sit there and go, oh, heck, I failed. Oh, wow, God, you know, why did I fail? Oh, it was because of the snow conditions. That was, that was probably going to kill me. I was probably going to stand there, procrastinate, night come fall, minus 15 degrees, I just die. It's pretty dumb that's a dumb thing to do. So, you know, by focusing on that and you talk about speaking it out and you've heard me say to you before that when you came up on one of your podcasts with that um, that saying, that mantra, you know, it, it, it hit me and, and uh, you know, that's it's just so true that, you know, actions are, are the reality. And, yeah. and so until you speak it, and so, you know, honestly... You know, and I, I, I haven't really shared this. I shared you a bit of what I, I do, which is a bit crazy in the outdoors sometimes. But, you know, I remember hitting that point on my snowshoes and sitting there and, you know, I got to that point on my map and I don't, I don't carry a GPS. So I'm just, just I'm doing map and compass. And I got to the point and I'm like, yeah, OK, I'm here. OK, let's do a tally up. OK, I got no food. OK, you know, I'm, I'm returning. And I stood there and I shouted and I talked to Mother Nature and I said, you defeated me, you think? 
You think you defeated me. You didn't. I'm turning around, and you know what? I'm coming back. And I came back a month and a half later, and I completed that mission. So, you know, I think that's a pretty good example of, you know, just finding a solution. And if you want to look at it in isolation and go, oh, which you didn't get over with your snowshoes, so you've actually never done it in winter. That's right. I haven't. But I I managed to still do it. Mm -hmm. And I'll go back and I'll do it in Mm -hmm. winter. And if it never happens, it never happens. Yep. And uh, man, what I mean, what a solid principle that is, is that you're never at a dead end. The solution may be that you have to turn back and go the way that you came. So you right there, you have completely flipped that whole picture of of failure. It it no longer became that that mission no longer became a failure or no longer was a failure. It became no, this this is the solution. Um, So, you know, just thinking about that and keeping in mind that that there there really are no there. There are no dead. You're never at a dead end. There's just finding the solution, whether that's moving forward, whether it's going around, over, under or turning back. Sometimes backwards. That's it, brother. Man, that is a solid principle. And it it takes the power away from complaining and it totally takes the power out of that word failure. And and, and it. and it's 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 not, not it's it's something that again it preserves that confidence that's so important because you're not at that point you're not beating yourself up about not ma- not making your objective because you know the solution was had to be to turn around man that's just yep. in all aspects of everything that we've talked about that's such a solid principle and I hope the listeners keep that in mind in their own missions in life, uh, whether it's relationships, business, uh, actual adventure. And I want to transition real quick into adventure. Today's episode is brought to you by ExoSkin. And let me tell you a little bit about this company. Uh, In my opinion, they make the highest quality outdoor and fitness apparel on the market today. It's all 100% made in the USA. It has rapid dry copper technology, which means that these fabrics do not retain odor. You can literally wear them for multiple missions and you don't have to throw them in the wash after every run because they just don't stink. The fabric that Rick has designed actually channels moisture and sweat away from your skin, which keeps you dry and you don't have to deal with chafing like you would experience with other outdoor apparel. This stuff's hands down the best on the market. Um, They just came out with a new beanie. It's their newest uh, piece of gear in their lineup, so now they can actually cover you from head to toe. Um, I highly recommend it, whether you're an ultra runner, a through hiker, a backpacker, whatever your activity may be, if it involves you moving and generating body heat, generating sweat, and you want to be as comfortable as possible and have the most functional gear that you can possibly buy, ExoSkin is for you 100%. They have provided us as 3 of 7 podcast listeners with a pro code. It will give you 20% off of any 
purchase that you make with Exoskin, that pro code is three of seven. That's the number three of the number seven. And when you're ready to buy some Exoskin, visit them at their website. That's exoskin.us. Again, I talked about earlier, I mean, you, you are, you understand what true adventure is. And I want you to give us your opinion uh, on what, what is true adventure, Scott, to you, man? Um, tr- tr- true adventure to me... Is, in a sense of the being in the wilderness, you know, these adve- I'm talking about yeah, wilderness yeah. adventure. Well, I, I, I think the, the way I would explain it for me personally mm-hmm. is because an adventure doesn't have to necessarily be in the wilderness. An adventure could easily be, you know, being an entrepreneur and embarking on a business. You know, it's, it's, for me, you know, because I love the land, adventures for me are you know, literally to do with the, the, the mother nature, the getting out in the backcountry and so forth. But I suppose the key thing uh, for an adventure for, for me to be a real adventure um, is it's got to be something that we, on the outset there is more chance of me not succeeding than succeeding. That, that, and that, that to me mm. is a true adventure. When, when I look at it and, and whatever that task is, there's more chance I'll probably fail, at least the first time, um, because I'm confident enough to know that just like that trip, you know, I, 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 you know, there were conditions that happened in front of me that, you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't see coming, and that could have been my own poor recon before, whatever for whatever reason. I don't beat myself up on that. It was what it was, um, but it, it's it's putting myself in that position where the chances of failing are greater than succeeding. And then that puts me right at the edge of everything I've learned. And hopefully I'm going to learn new things in that because, you know, everything... Everything's, I believe, you know, most things are interconnected and, and you know, it's it's like hauling in a fishing line, you know. You haul it in, but until you hauled it in the whole way, you don't know what you got on the hook, mm. you know. So you just keep reeling, 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 and that's, I think, the thing that catches people on fishing. I'm not a fisherman, but, you know, as, as a kid, you've, you've done that. And, you know, that thing of reeling up, reeling up, and you finally look in the water and you see that first glimmer of something's moving and you, you got the, the, the resistance on the line, so you're excited. Oh, it's, it feels big. Big, you know, and number of times it comes up and being some tiny wee thing because it's just a good fighter. But you know, it's it's that sort of concept of if I put myself out on something that an average person might say um, is an adventure, and I looked at it and I said, no, there's nothing in there that I know I can't do. I, for me, it wouldn't be an adventure. Yep. But as soon as I look at it and go, man, there's stuff in there I'm not sure about. You know. Yeah but I'm confident enough to give it a try, um, that's an adventure. Yep, and so that essentially, what I hear from that, Scott, is when you hit that point, man, or that's where you're sharpening yourself. Absolutely. So everything else up until that point is not uh, sharpening you. But you talked no. about when you get on that point to where you don't really know if you can do this or not, that's where you're learning, that's Absolutely. where you're growing, yep. that's where that, that blade is becoming sharp uh, as, yeah. a, as a human being, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you did. You're absolutely spot on. I mean, and, and obviously you go on something in an adventure or something. I'm sure when you guys went out as SEALs and you went on missions, you, you learn your skills and the certain things that that became automatic in that particular mission. But then there were aspects where you literally go, this is unknown territory. 
But it's not. It, but you feel confident because you've got certain skills that you know are honed enough to put you in a position where you can you can sharpen them even more. And that unknown is what's going to do that. But you're still going to have the basic skills. So you know, if I go out in the back country, I've got to know how to read a map. I've got to know how. But I might put myself into you know some terrain that most people would say you can't navigate in there. Well, that's like red rag to a bull to me. It's like I'm gonna that that's gonna make me go in there. Like really, you don't think you can do it? That's just a complaint. Yeah. You don't know until you go in there. And if I come out and I can't do it, that, that's cool. That's it. <laughs> I bro. worked out that I that I failed. That's cool. Yeah. But the biggest failure, and I know it's a bit cliched, is not to do it at all. Yeah. And so for me, adventure, the key element doesn't matter. If it's a say a business venture, or I think. Adventure is one of those words that people tend to, you know, uh, align with, you know, backcountry, you know, mountains, just outdoor stuff. Mm -hmm. But man, starting a business is an adventure. Starting a family is an adventure. These are all things that, you know, that that you, you, first time you do them, you don't have any experience. Um, so you, you give them a go and you come out the other side. And I'm euphoric about the success I have if it's successful, um, in the fact that I conquered some of the stuff that I was wondering about because I'd never experienced. Yeah. So again, it's just about embracing that. And, you know, it's a long way of getting around it. But yeah, adventure to me, whatever that, whatever that, that field of adventure is, is just simply all about like reeling that fishing. That's it. Yeah. You know, at least yep. put your hook in the water, at least dangle your line in there. You never know what you're going to get on the other end yep. of it. And, and Scott, I love how you tied that back into, it doesn't matter the platform. It doesn't matter the conduit of the adventure, whether whether it's marriage, raising children, yep. uh, business. Uh, that, that's that's not that's not what dictates true yep. adventure. The true adventure is the sense, and and I think entrepreneurs and and people in business can look at that from an aspect of, man, set your set your goals high man set set your goals higher than higher than you 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 may not have a clear picture uh, of where of where how it's going to be possible to yeah. reach that goal for instance for me with the podcast man in 2020 i would like to reach a million people with this podcast yeah. I, I don't see how that's going to be possible yeah. but that's where i set my goal because yeah. now uh, i'm pushing the limits of what i think that i'm possibly capable of and it's sharpening me it's going to make this this product better um, than if i would have set my goal lower at something that i knew was attainable yeah you know? I, I, I totally agree and I and I think the you know out of what you just said is that you know what I take out of that and I use all the time is that one thing I know for sure I know absolutely for sure that if you don't have a goal of in your case going to a million a million people listening to your podcast and you don't immerse yourself in trying to get to that goal one thing I know is if you don't give it a go a hundred percent it won't happen. 100%. That's the only thing that's 100%. Yep. You, you will consign yourself to failure. But as soon as you give it a go, you, it's, it's, you open the possibility. Now, whether you succeed, whether you get to half a million, to me, is sort of irrelevant. Yeah. But you're on the journey. You've started it, and you are the only person that, uh, that have given yourself the opportunity to do that. Mm. And as soon as you say, that, you know, no, I can't do it, I won't do it, whatever... I'll, you know, 
everyone will guarantee you're right. You're 100% right. You will, you will be a failure. You'll never succeed in doing that goal. That's it. So man. you just got to you just got to you just got to do it. You just got to get out and give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And you know just continuing on adventure you are now a race director. Um, you have two events now, yep. uh, the Revenant and also this 85 South yep. that's that's coming up soon. Yep. You know, there's so many things that I that I want to talk to you about when it when, when it comes to these two events. Not only the adventure aspect, the Revenant is the embodiment of your view of adventure in my mind. It is the embodiment of it. Yeah. Um, so I think I know why you created the event. Yeah. It is one to give people the opportunity for true adventure. Is, is that correct? Is yeah. that the premise of it? Absolutely. It, it's, I mean, you know, the, the name, you know, I, I, pick, I purposely picked the name of the event being the Revenant. I mean, a lot of people, you know, it just seems to be a current word because of the movie that came out. But, you know, Revan, if you look at it in, in a dictionary, basically is, is a spirit uh, or, or a person or something that's either come back from the dead or come back from a long absence. In other words, they've, they've managed, it's almost like a resurrection, yep. you know. And and that, to me, is a true spirit of of adventure is and how people can develop. It's it's putting yourself in an environment where you know basing yourself on wanting to do it and dipping your feet in the water based on can I succeed? And if I don't think I can succeed, a lot of people won't even try. So for me, you know, as society's you know got a little bit more um, comfort orientated, and we seem to be we seem tend tend to think that the way we should be nurturing people is to protect them, almost from themselves. And I don't I don't aspire, I don't believe in that. I, I believe in the opposite. You unchain people, and and you, you let them give things a go, and and they learn. So the Revenant to me was looking at a lot of the sporting events that I'd done and, and my generation had done over the years and seeing health and safety rules and, and just generally society trying to, you know, both um, so-called uh, comfort people and keep them quote-unquote safe. Uh, and they're, they're, in my words, dumbing events down, you know. And and therefore, there the, the weren't many opportunities for people to truly have that adventure and learn. Learn in an environment where forget success, forget failure in the traditional terms of I will I will cross that marathon line. You know? That's not that hard a challenge. And I don't mean that in a bad way for anybody that's finished a marathon. It's it's a great achievement depending where you came from. But it's an achievement that most people can, can do. Yeah. But you, you know, you, you, you go to ultras that you and I do and and, and, and you do now uh, as an elite athlete is that you you look at that line and go 100 miler and we still know the average person goes impossible and yet they haven't tried it how do you come up with a conclusion that it's impossible if you've never tried anything that you've even stepped off the line and got the boldness so I took it one step further with the Revenant and it's like let's create an event where even the elite literally probably won't finish so it's about the journey. I know that, again, that's a bit of cliche, but it's about the journey and what you learn inside that journey. And you don't have to focus on it. It's like almost a bonus that you might finish in this under the 60 hours. 
And if you do, then that's just a measure. It's not of you being better than anyone else. It's just a measure that you've managed to hone your tools to a higher degree. And to me, then you go on to something else. It's not the end of the story. You know, yeah. that's just just another just yet another stepping stone. Yeah. So for me, I take my hat off to anyone that puts a submission and that has the courage to actually, you know, type their name in and push send and I get that submission and it says I'm so and so and I've done these few events, I'd like to give it a go. It's like, man, hats off to you right right there. Because that's that's the first and quite often the hardest step the easiest step believe it or not for me is actually doing the event yeah it's actually getting the courage to actually push the submit button yeah yeah that's it brother that's, that's really it yep and you talk you, you know i think uh, there's like you said even if you do finish man there's no glory surrounding it it's it's just it, it just is um and, and there's yeah. no prizes there's nothing like this and and you know guys if you want to know more about the revenant if you haven't heard already me talk about it i'm going to be linking the website into the show notes so you guys can go on and read about this event that scott's designed i don't want to go into the intricacies of it here you guys can go check check it out but um you know it's it's just it's awesome man and and the the the, one of the things that i that has really impacted me about you scott not only as a businessman but as a race director is you it, it is no small task to put on an event like the revenant or like 85 south but you have these ideas and you are able to take this idea of these two races and bring them to fruition. You're able to take this idea and make it something tangible in a relatively short amount of time. How are you able to take this this overwhelming task of creating this totally unique event and challenging event with tons of moving parts and make it something real? in such a short amount of time. And how do you do that? I, I think, I, you know, I suppose there's, there's multiple sort of answers to that, but I think the foundation of all of them would be it comes back to that I don't complain and I don't find excuses. So, you know, starting off with something like the, the Revenant, I, you know, I, I put a pen to paper and, and sort of this is what I like the event to look like. This is this is the ethos of the event. These are the details around. So, you know, I map the event out and you, you can either sit there and then procrastinate about that and go, oh, this is going to take a lot of time under the, they're just excuses. They ain't getting done while you're doing mm-hmm. nothing about it, and they ain't doing nothing while you're only thinking about it. Because you know, using your mantra, until I put pen to paper, which is another another way of speaking it out loud. Yeah. I'm physically taking it. Until I do that, they're just an idea. But once I get that I, those ideas out, to me, I work by making things happen because I look at the alternative as just an excuse. And while I'm excusing myself that I'm too busy, I'm too that, as opposed to going, yeah, I'm busy. But look at my, it's 24 hours in a day, I've got to sleep eight. You know, there is time. So that's just, a, that's, a, that's a non-event to me. And then I got to call this person, I got to rely on that person. Well, I don't call them up and just say, can you do this for me? I, I, I call them up and say, can you do this for me? What's it going to cost? When are you going to have it done? I, I don't take, I'll get back to you. And if they do, if I get back to you on Wednesday, come Wednesday, if he hasn't got back to me, I call him. 
because otherwise it's just an excuse. Oh, well, he must be busy. I don't want to bother him. I'm not bothering him. I'm just asking him That's to right. do what he said he'd do. Yeah. And I don't have any problem with holding people to account for yeah. that because because I expect you to hold me account for that. Yeah. So it may look like that uh, I got you know some of these things up in, in relatively short time, but I don't look at it that way because I, I just look at, well, there's 20 things to do. There's my list. I'll start knocking them off right away. And yep. every time I procrastinate, it's just an excuse for not finding that solution. Yep. So I'm, I'm hearing a, a process there. One is getting it out of your head, yep. uh, making it making it real to yourself, whether that's speaking it, writing it, whatever it may be. Yep. Um, I, I'm hearing uh, you talk about that list. I'm hearing breaking it down into yep. these micro segments of what you actually have to do to make this thing real. Yep. And then I'm hearing in persistence man you, you talk about making you know making those calls and and being being persistent you're you know that's that's essential to getting yeah. something done and yeah, I think, it, I think it's you, a process yeah, man I think you and I talked last night about a number of different things and and again one of the foundations I think we both agreed in or agreed on it doesn't matter what you're doing one of the most key ingredients to make to get that result is consistency and yep. therefore, whatever you decide, in my case, you know, don't complain, just find a solution. If I did that once or twice, it'll work for those, you know, it'll work for those instances I was applying for that for. But when I don't apply it, then I, I, don't, I don't know what the result's going to be. So, you know, um, in my business, before I sold the, the business, you know, with, with dealing with customers, um, you know, you had staff, and, 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 and I said to them, look, you know, we may not always have the best product. We may not always have the best price. Um, you know, there's a lot of things we competitors might come and do better. But one thing I learned about human nature is that more pe people are lazy and want to complain about things and procrastinate than don't. So... One of the things that we could do that I knew that other competitors would find difficult to compete long term was be consistent. So I used to say to my staff, you know, I'd, something as simple as communication with your, with your customer. It was like, you know, guys, I want you to go away. I want you to prioritize the customers that are the most valuable to us in either terms of current sales and revenue or potential. And even identify the ones where you don't think there is any more potential. And we can discuss why that might be. But once we've got that list, then we put, we've only so many hours in a day. So instead of complaining that I can't do it, let's just pick the real guy, the guys that we've got to keep on board. They will get the most contact. Then there'll be the middle group. They get a little less contact. And then that bottom group. And you know what? Whatever you decide that you got to call that customer every week or twice a week, or you know, or contact. We used to say contact, um, yeah, or, or once once a month. You better be doing that every week of every year, ad infinitum. Yeah, yeah. And that consistency eventually not only got us new customers, but you know, you'd go around customers and they go, "I love dealing with." global. I love dealing with that company. Why? Well, you know, their prices have gone up this year, but you know what? I can count on them. Mm -hmm. 
I can absolutely 100% count on their service. And so in a competitive world where I, you know, I knew from time to time, you know, our product was maybe the latest one out, so we were going to have that competitive edge. You know, you got to be realistic. You know, we're in a commercial world. You know, entrepreneurs and new new developments are all over the place. So you don't you don't have that space forever. But what you can have forever is your basic foundations on how you do business and communicate, because I'm a big believer that in business, you know, we all represent a product, but we're really selling ourselves. You know, we're all in the people businesses, in my, my opinion. You know, we're yeah. selling ourselves and, and, our, and our integrity. And, and, and part of that integrity is you can trust us. And part of that trust comes from the fact that when I say something, I do it a hundred times, not 99, not, mm-hmm. oh God, there's an excuse why I do No, I do it a hundred, yep. you know. Um, so consistency, I think, is really, really important as a foundation to anything you do. Whatever you do, start with small steps, break it down, but just be consistent. Mm-hmm. So when I plan now, and, 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 and I'd love to know more, you know, you, you and I haven't talked a lot, but I, I, I imagine that like some of the stuff I do, but but amplified a lot more as a seal. When you guys went out, you know your your train your planning would have been meticulous. Mm-hmm. As, 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 as much as you still know there's going to be an unknown element, everything that's known you would have ticked off. Yep. I ran and worked the same way. I just take what I'm doing. I, I break it down. Look at all the parts, and I just rack my brain until I my brain is empty of what's known. And then I just have a little box on the side. There will be some unknown. Be ready. Yep. And again, that's one of the things that, as you know, I've tied into that revenant is that you guys go into the race. You're just about to do the race again this year. And you know the stuff you don't know. And that's on purpose for me because it's like life. There's the stuff you can plan for. So you take the learnings from last year's race. So you know you're going to go further. But you also know there's going to be some stuff that's just going to happen. But you'll deal with it better because you've sharpened those tools. Yeah. And you're not scared of the fact that there's going to be unknown. In fact, just as I said, with an adventure, you embrace it. You go, that's why I like to come because I I keep getting better because this stuff keeps, yep. you know, yeah. as opposed to, you know, my days are going back and, you know, I, I was, you know, I love running. That's That was my background and, you know, started off in, in, in um, triathlon and, and marathons and stuff and, you know, I very, very quickly got bored with going back to the same race because these races are like a box. How many times How many times can I run around in circles in a box? What am I going to learn? Yeah, you can get faster. Okay, I can get faster. That came pretty quickly and a pretty dead end in terms of that. So yeah. there was no solution there. It, I had to get out into things that, you know, continuously threw up that stuff yep. that I wasn't sure about but I was confident enough yep. and that was a consistency I, that's what I consistently seek out yep that, that's a, another solid principle man so you're talking about that consistency uh, you know and and being consistent, being persistent, and having also integrity. You know, yeah. those are all three key components of the SEAL creed, the Navy SEAL creed. And yeah. I, I want to read that to you when yeah. we're done with the interview yeah. or, yeah. or let you read it, because right. I think you're going to see a lot of parallels uh, in our creed as, yeah. as the, you know, America's most elite fighting force yeah. to the principles that you're teaching right here, man. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I want to get you real quick just to let us know what 
what 85 South, yep. what's the, what's, what is the creed or, or what hole does it feel? Why did you decide to, to branch off and now create this new event aside from the Revenant? I mean, I, I imagine they, they're in two different lanes. Yeah, so what, what does it feel? Okay. They're two different lanes and um, yeah, it, it is a long story and it's probably another chat at some mm -hmm. stage. Yeah, totally. Just, just in, in, in short, um, so 85 South was really born mainly out of the fact that, you know, I've become friends with a the, with the younger guy uh, called Ben Lott, who was a very, very good adventure racer and an extremely good, um, extremely good equestrian rider. And um, he had an unfortunate accident, and I don't want to go into that accident. Yeah. That's for Ben, for ben to articulate. But he had, a, he had a very bad accident, and has ended up with a, a life-changing brain injury, which he's working on and rehabbing. And um, yeah, it's unfortunate life that when, when a lot of people need the most support and, and, and then people, you know, disappear from them because yep. all of a sudden they, they don't see that that person, in, in Ben's case, you know, that his employer, you know, let him go and cause, because he'd had a stroke and couldn't speak. And, you know, so when, when you need the support most, a lot of people vacate you, you know. Yep. Yep. So anyway, you know, we, we were the, the team that, that, that came across him in this particular race. And, and we, so we created a friendship. And when I saw that, you know, what, he, what Ben was going through, and I knew his love of adventure, and, and I knew he himself at some stage, like me, had seen the, the, the sport, you know, possibly go down avenues that were away from the original adventuring spirit and more into a commercial spirit, which meant, you know, just maybe dumbing the races down a little bit, just, just not quite being that unknown that we like in an adventure. And he needed to have a vocation. He needed a way to make money. So, you know, I put two and two together and we sat down and I just said, mate, how about we put an adventure race and, you know, I'll help you put it on, And but, but it's your race. And even as we sit here now, you know, him and I have had the conversation and, you know, entries open next month and, and it's his race. And, and I've handed it over and I said, it's your, it's your baby. You know, you, you are going to run this. You are going to, I'm here just now for full on support. So, you know, so the, the personal motivation about why 85 South um, and the key difference with 85 South as opposed to other adventure races is that most, well, all adventure races around the world are up to around seven days, sometimes 10 days, and they'll have resupply points where you might change from one discipline to another, trek to a bike, bike to a kayak or something, and you can resupply your food and so forth. And, and I've always, you know, had a lot of respect for, um, you know, the original explorers. You know, you, know you, you think about Christopher Columbus coming to, and I know there's lots of politics around these people that colonize, but just from the adventure point of view, think of what it takes for someone to sail a boat across an ocean where, you know, it's not that long before they thought the planet was flat. These guys had the courage to go out into these unknown places and give things a go. You know, they didn't have a they didn't have a, a, a U.S. Air Force, um, you know, or, or boat halfway across the Pacific. Go, I can resupply here, man. You know, you yeah. know, but carry on. These guys went in into the unknown and had to literally live on the fly, and that's been that had been lost. And so New Zealand was explored in the same way. People came here. The Maoris were the first indigenous people here. They sailed here. You know, so they're wonderful navigators. They navigated with the stars. And they got here. They, they actually, in, in the scheme of things, in my opinion, 
you know, are the greatest adventurers. Look what they did with what they knew at the time. That's an incredible achievement. So 85 South, the main difference is that it's up to seven days with no resupply. You start on day one, you pack what you think you need, and we see you at the finish, whenever that finish might be. So it, 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 that's, a, that's a true component that both Ben and I are sort of bought into as being getting back to the roots of things and map and compass only and all that sort of thing. Um, and so that was this Y85 South format. But for me, Y85 South in particular was to help a friend, was, was mm. to help Ben, you know, um, yeah, with, without, I'm not, you know, I'm not a believer that you help people by giving them money or, you know, just, you know, just, just making it easy. Yep. You, you give people opportunities, which they, which they've got to grow into and work. And you, you know, I'm, you're there to assist. Absolutely. So they, they've got an advantage over maybe someone like you or me. You just stepped into the seals. No one was pushing it. It was your own, own motivation, your own trigger. Um, so, you know, hey, give them a hand up. But, you know, that's it. Yep. And so that's the motivation. I love it, to man. Get, to get help in. I love it. I love it. And and the, the link for 85 South guys will be in the show notes. Um, it's again, it's going to be a totally unique event. Um, uh, I hope to be able to be a part of that event at some point because it's just, it, it just, it, like you said, Scott, it hits a, a whole nother level of, uh, Ex- I almost call it exploring, man, it because is. it's true exploring. It is. Um, it is. So I love it, brother. Uh, you know, and the la- the last thing I want to talk about, Scott, and this is you know a big part of three to seven is the the spiritual side, man. And I don't. Uh, there's no value in pointing out the differences in our spiritual beliefs. Yep. Um, I think the the valuable lesson is is that we love each other as men, as friends. Um, we can we can add value to each other in so many different ways. I view you as a mentor, and we don't have the exact same spiritual beliefs. Nope. We, we that that never stands. Nope in the way or as an obstacle, never do you put me down because of my spiritual beliefs. And, and I'm the same way as you. I mean, we had some deep, deep conversation last night about uh, heavy spiritual topics, man. And, and, and there's so many, there's so much validity in the things that you said, yeah. even though it doesn't perfectly align with yep. my own personal beliefs, yeah. we could have that, that pure conversation, Absolutely. man. Yep. And, you know, you talked about last night how, you know, you and, and, and of course, people are going to hear this and think it's crazy, but not everything we say is for everybody. <laughs> but you talked about how your connection to to spirit is really the dirt, man, yep. and, and nature. And yep. and uh, I think there's a there's a lot of stuff that we talked about last night that was strong and powerful man so talk to us about your your spiritual life uh because that is a component of you as scott worthington man you know look absolutely and i i think the first thing i'd say is that you know what what i've learned in 60 odd years is that um whatever your belief system is whatever whatever you however you believe this wonderful planet operates you know, um, is that have that with conviction, have that with integrity. And when you have that, it, it's generally a way for people to, to navigate through their life in a successful manner. 
and that's what I respect. So when I see a particular religion, a particular belief or whatever, I just totally respect it because I don't have to agree with it and I don't have to believe in it. But what I do believe, if that is a mechanism that allows you to walk through life um, and succeed in life, then that's that that's right for you. So for me, um, you know, I'm I'm just a believer that um, we're just we're just a part of the system, and you know what I think um, emotionally um, has nothing to do with any other organism. I don't know whether. A, a plant thinks. I know that's a silly thing to say, but I mean, I don't know if a particular animal feels the same pain the same way I do. I don't know that. No. Some people think they do, and that's fine. If that's what they think, that's that's their belief. But my belief is I, I don't pretend to know. What I do know is that there's a system out there that works. You know, a flower knows how to grow in spring as opposed to winter. It knows that. Now, does it know it in the same way that a human knows something, I personally don't think so. But the reality is it makes it work for itself. Mm. It works, it grows, it dies, it does its thing. So for me, you know, we're just another part of nature. Nature's not separate from us. And I hear a lot of people often look at the world and go, you know, if man didn't do X, but if we just left it to Mother Nature, we are Mother Nature. We are part of the system. So that's really what I mean, and, and I'm at my happiest, you know, when I'm, you know, out in the mountains quite often by myself, and, um, you know, I, I said it sounds a bit weird, but, you know, I'll, 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 I'll talk to Mother Nature, you know, mm -hmm. and I'd, it's sort of, to me, the, the, the times when I'm, it's weird to say happiest, but, you know, I'll be somewhere, and I, I told you, you know, about going over that Rocky Mount by myself on this, this, this mission, and you know the weather was coming in. It was going dark, and I could see the storm coming and snow and everything. And I just, I just stood there and looked at the weather, and, and I was shouting at it and saying, "Bring it on! You come at me! You know, I'm, you give me as good as you can get. I'll conquer." And and that in itself, when I think about it, is really just saying. That storm and me, we're one and the same. We're in the same system, yep. and we, we can coexist. We can work together. I know that sounds all a bit weird. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I my 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 uh, I, I truly believe that you know I'm just part of the system, and that's why I respect it. Yeah, yeah. You know? But but I, but I feel like for you, Scott, and I may be totally wrong. I feel like there is a sense of of nourishment that you get from spending time in nature from spending time in this magnificent thing that is that you are like you said a part of but but is also so much bigger and more complex than you i feel yeah. like you understand that connection man and 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 i could only imagine that there is some some level of of nourishment when you're when you're out there in that environment, man. Look, totally. I mean, it, that, that's where, I'm, as I say, when I use the word "whether I'm happiest," it, it's when I, you know, I'm, I feel the most complete. You know, I mean, happiness and completion, or feeling complete, to me, are the same. And I'm not as happy. I, you know, there's degrees of happiness, and when, when I feel happier or successful or whatever, they're only a matter of degree. When I'm the most complete is when I'm, you know, standing on a hilltop and I've got to the top. So I've done the, I've done the work. 
I've got to the goal that I thought and I'm standing there and I'm in nature. And it's just like I, I walked up the mountain because the mountain offered itself to me. I've used it. I've used that path up or the path that I navigated. Yeah. So I, I didn't get up there by myself. Uh, it sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? But I mean, I didn't get up there by myself. I got up there because of the whole system. The system offered me the mountain, the the, the rocks. I used the rocks, you know, and it, it's just that's the most complete. So that's pretty me, amazing. Yeah. To me, when it when it when I get out into those into those spaces, um, it's just yeah, the best best feeling because it's standing on my feet on the ground. Yeah. You know, it's like plugging into a socket. You know, you you connect it. Yeah. And until you experience that. Uh, and that might be, you know, it doesn't have to be the outdoors, you know, it's whatever, it's as we talked at the start, the endeavor, you know, it could be having your family, it could be, you know, whatever that adventure is, um, you know, once you complete it, that's where the euphoria is. You just sit there and you go, wow, job done, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. for me, that just happens to be, you know, me, me standing in the bush or on the mountain. Yeah, I love somewhere. it, brother. I love it, man. No, and... And Scott, I, you know, I want to be respectful of your time, man. We're gonna, we got a, we got a bunch to do today. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna end it on that, man. It's just so much packed into this episode. I mean, it's un, this is just unbelievable. Thank you so much for just being who you are, brother. For for not only for providing these platforms of for opportunity for individuals to sharpen themselves and come a spirits adventure there's so much work i know that goes into that thank you for taking the time to build these events and to put them out and and to continue to improve them thank you for being a mentor for me thank you for sharing all these life lessons with all of our listeners um it's just uh, it's so humbling to be able to sit here and talk to you brother and um yeah well i mean uh, yeah you know let, let me finish up by saying that you know for me the 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 best thing the outcome that can happen of you and i meeting is us sitting here having this podcast because what that tells me is that you have taken that opportunity coming out of the seals You've looked, you've learned, and most importantly, you've implemented. And you wouldn't be here interviewing me, looking over Kerry Kerry Beach, you know, and, yeah. and looking at the Tasman Ocean and in, in what is, you know, one of the nicest places on the planet. You wouldn't be here if we hadn't connected. Mm. That's it, brother. So to me, you talk about achievement and where you feel happy and connected. This is an example of how that happens. And, and what you can achieve. Mm, powerful, brother. That's so true, Scott. Thank you so much, my man. Thank and you, mate. Thank this you. is the Three of Seven podcast. Enough said. This podcast was produced by Your Social Gathering. We hope you enjoyed. If you are looking to increase your digital marketing presence or elevate your digital assets, check us out at yoursocialgathering.com.